praise the lord thank you adon for reading the passage for today's word ministry today uh, for a short uh, discussion we'll see the fatal mistake of disobedience to god's direction from jeremiah chapter 42 verse 1 on 43 verse 7 let's let's be with a prayerful heart and pray that god will speak to us personally from the the scripture a story is told of a man once chased by a tiger he ran as hard as he could till he reached the end of the cliff and he was about to fall and just then he saw a branch which was growing out of the cliff few feet down so he just jumped down and grabbed on that uh, that branch and just then the tiger reached uh, the the cliff so tiger growled at him because he uh, you know the he he wanted to eat the man but he just escaped that and man had a big sigh of relief so he 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 thought he's already escaped the death and all those things just then a mouse came out of a crevice and started chewing on the branch which was which he was holding on to he cried oh no this is not what i want at this moment he he really prayed that you know he, he don't want to have this moment pass he he looked up at the hungry tiger which is still waiting on him he looked down which is a fall of 1000 feet if he leave the branch is definitely going to die and he's still seeing the mouse chewing on that branch he cried out to heaven oh god if you are there please please save me i will do anything you ask suddenly a voice replied from heaven you'll do anything i ask then man replied he was really surprised to hear a reply from heaven so he replied saying i'll do anything you ask but please please save me then the voice from heaven said there is only one way to save you but that requires courage and faith from you then the man said you please tell me i will do just just go ahead and tell what you want me to do then then the voice said all right let go of the branch i he voice from the heaven said he looked up again at the hungry tiger he is still seeing the chewing of the mouse which is which is the branch he is holding on to and he he thought if he leave the branch he he thought he is going to definitely die then he yelled back at heaven yeah god i thought you had good ideas is there anyone else up there with better ideas many times this is how we we come to god and seek god's direction you know when god reveals his answer to us we want alternatives we don't want to accept the answer what god wants to tell us before we get into the passage which going to uh, see today uh, i would want to give some very important information quick facts about the book of jeremiah the 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 prophet jeremiah himself and the history surrounding the passage what we read today before that a quick quiz revitan is very good in that so don't don't answer up <laughs> which is the second longest book in terms of content second longest book in the bible in terms of content any guesses no not isaiah sorry it couldn't be jeremiah though no 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 it's not uh, it's not uh, jeremiah or isaiah now tell me which is the longest book in the 
Bible in terms of content? Psalms? No, that's not, I'm not talking about the number of chapters. I'm talking about in terms of content. Okay. No, uh, it's not, uh, it's not. It is, in fact, Jeremiah is the longest book in terms of content. Second comes Genesis. Third is, third is Psalms and fourth comes the Isaiah. Okay, so as I said, Jeremiah is the longest book in terms of content. But, uh, but it has very interesting uh, facts uh, other than this. Like, the book of Jeremiah is the only book in the Bible which gives you the account of what has happened in Judah after the exile, after people have gone to exile, till they return to exile. Many of the scholars, Old Testament scholars, consider this as one of the most difficult book. Uh, one of the most important reasons being that the arrangement of chapters are not in chronological. For example, chapter... 46 to 51, uh, which talks about the, uh, the, the prophecy against the nation, which is, happens before the chapter 39, which is the fall of Jerusalem. And chapter 52, is, even though it's the last chapter in the uh, book, it gives you the same account what is happening in chapter 39. It gives you a lot more details. And chapter 44 is the chapter, uh, chap- 44 gives you the last event which happens in the book of Jeremiah. Even though it seems a little confusing in terms of chronology, I, I don't think it's a problem if you take one chapter at a time. No. One other thing is that it is one of the most autobiographical books in the Bible. That means that it gives you a lot of details about the prophet Jeremiah himself more than any other book in Old Testament or, or any other others of, uh, in Old Testament. Uh, it, it gives you his surroundings, his, uh, his emotions, his passions. Everything is very clearly written in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, here we see a painting of Jeremiah lamenting, lamenting over the destruction of uh, Jerusalem by a red, Dutch uh, painter Rembrandt. In this, see, in this we can see that Jeremiah is heavily leaning on to the, the scripture as his own looks the destruction of uh, Destruction of Jerusalem. Jeremiah is one of my favorite prophets. His life and ministry has challenged me a lot, especially during the times of troubles and trials. Jeremiah was from the tribe of Benjamin, and he was born and raised up in a small town called Anathoth, which was very close to the Jerusalem. He, his, uh, his commissioning as a prophet, we see that in the first chapter of uh, Jeremiah itself. He was a reluctant prophet. Uh, if, uh, very, very much like Moses, but once God commissioned him, he was very much into his job. Jeremiah had a very difficult life. Unlike Isaiah, who lived almost 100 years before Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah had a very respectful time. He, he was well acknowledged throughout, his, um, throughout the Jerusalem where he, was, he, he administrated, and he was a he was, uh, well-known uh, prophet. Whereas Jeremiah's long ministry was marked by constant persecutions and trials. If you see the book of Jeremiah, the book records at least 10 kinds of trials he went through. It, comes from, it, start, uh, it ranges from death threats he had to go through. The, he had plot uh, against him uh, to kill him by his own people. He had to go through starvation. He, uh, he was put in a mud, in cistern to die, die in the mud. He had to. He was rejected, and he was. He had scornful attack from uh, the false prophet and by his own friends. 
God told him not to take a wife from Judea, so he was not married. He had to endure many persecution, as I told you before. Uh, in one of the persecution, chapter 20, uh, if, uh, if you read through that chapter, we see that uh, he uses a very interesting phrase. Uh, it says, "Cursed be the day I was born, which was a very similar f- phrase which was used by Job when he was, when he was going through the persecution in Job chapter 3, verse 1. He was often called as a weeping prophet. Uh, but if you really see his life, he was, uh, he, even though he occasionally used to weep for the condition of Jerusalem and Judah and the people of Israel, he was very tough, determined and long-suffering and faithful prophet. One another thing that caught my attention was uh, he was very passionate about preaching God's word. He, even, even when the uh, when, even when things look very, very bad, he, I, don't, I think he is one of the only prophets who had to go through such a persecution. Still, he had to stand for God's word. J. Thomason, uh, a famous author and an Old Testament scholar, says this about Jeremiah. I'll read that quote for you. It has often been remarked that Jeremiah's life was finally a failure. He, he was alone for most of his ministry. It seemed that no one gave any heed to his word. He was dragged off finally to live his last days in exile against his own will. He was a failure as the world judges human achievement. But a more balanced assessment of him would be that his very words of judgment save Israel's faith from disintegration. And his words of hope helped his people to gain hope in God's future for them. God used Jeremiah to bring his word in a most corrupt time, socially, morally, and spiritually. In Judah, the prophets prophesied lie. The priests ruled according to their own, their own whims and fancies. They never seek God. And people followed this and they loved falsehood. Even when God speaks badly about Israel, the northern kingdom of um, uh, Israel, this is what God says about Judah. In chapter 3, verse 11, he says, Faithless Israel is more righteous than unfaithful Judah. I think that paints the worst situation Judah was in. Even though they have seen the judgment what has happened to northern kingdom by Assyrians, they never repented of their sins. Even after 100, 100 years of captive, uh, uh, Assyrians has taken northern kingdom to captivity they have seen by their own eyes but they have never Judah has never repented of the sin southern kingdom in fact word of God says that they were rebellious they were stubborn in their heart during this time false prophecy was very prevalent and all time high in the entire history of Israel Jeremiah records at least four four, four false prophets in the book of in the book you know, that shows that how, how much, I think that's more than any other book in, uh, entire book in Bible. Socially and morally, if you see, there are a lot of malpractices happening in Judah. They, they, they're, uh, they're, they were deceitful. There were a lot of cheating. They were oppressing the widows. Chapter 7, which is called the Temple Sermon of uh, Ju- uh, Jeremiah, talks the spiritual sin of um, Judah in the context of temple. They have set up detestable idol inside the temple and they set up altars to sacrifice their own sons and daughters in fire to Molech. God says that 
it was something god never even thought in the his heart in chapter uh, in chapter same chapter verse 11 god says god says the temple as den of robbers can you imagine that it was such a pathetic say this is the same verse quoted by jesus when he was driving out buyers and temple uh, buyers and sellers out of the temple in matthew chapter 21 even when they were uh, ethically de- uh, violating all the demands of god they heavily relied on the temple to take care of their sin they they gave temple attendance and and uh, ceremonial rituals more priority than giving setting their relationship right with god they trusted in the the temple uh, which god gave them and they trusted in the the law uh, which god gave them rather than following it they they thought that they will be wise by just having it they trusted in their neighboring countries egyptian and assyrians and they trusted in everything other than god in lamentation 2 13 jeremiah writes that after the, this lamentation is written by jeremiah after the fall of jerusalem in that chapter 2 verse 13 jeremiah says that your wound is as deep as the sea and in jeremiah chapter 6 verse 14 he says and they dressed their wound as though it was not serious just imagine you have a profuse uh, bleeding from your from a wound you had and you go to a hospital and just imagine instead of properly suturing and dressing your wound they just send you off with a bandage how will you feel just just imagine can you imagine that that's how god felt about juda they they dealt with the sin so casually this was their outlook on their sin the greatest sin was that that they claimed to be innocent they never admitted their sin in chapter 2 verse 35 they say that i am innocent because of all these things god pronounces his judgment through jeremiah that babylon will attack and punish them for their wickedness it is interesting to note that god calls nebuchadnezzar as my servant in jeremiah at least three times that goes on to show that how god relied on nebuchadnezzar a pagan king to carry out his judgment on his people and chapter 5 verse 15 it says they will serve foreigners in a land or not not their own and whose language they do not know and their speech they do not understand such a dreadful situation you are in an alien land you are not able to communicate and you cry for mercy they will not be able to understand their wickedness has led the led the invasion of uh, juda by babylonians this is a map which shows the exile of juda by babylonians in three exiles you can see the route they are going north northeast in 605 bc babylonians under the uh, uh, under the rule of nebuchadnezzar attacks juda for the first times and they carry uh, daniel and his friends along with the temple well that is when the first deportation happens in uh, jehoiakim who was king after that uh, during that time then relied on egyptian to um, to fight against babylonian which was clearly a revolt against babylon and which was not god wanted him to so then he he died in 598 bc uh, and his son jehoiachin becomes the king uh, he too revolted against babylon and that is that is when the second 
deportation happened. So in second deportation, uh, Jehoiachin, his queen mother, and many other people along with Ezekiel is carried to Babylon. So that time, temple wealth and many also temple articles are carried. Nebuchadnezzar makes Zedekiah as a king after that, and uh, he, uh, he consults with a false prophet, uh, Hananiah, and he too, he too gave the idea that to rely on Egyptian to attack Babylon. Again, that led to their failure in, um, in 586 BC, the third deportation happens, and that time Zedekiah is captured. His two sons are killed in front of his eyes, and um, you know he's changed and he had to live his end, uh, end of his life in Babylon. It was he had a, such a pathetic end. Uh, during the third deportation or third attack, the Jerusalem is completely destroyed. The temple is burned down. It became a um, heap of rubble. Something I want to highlight here is the tendency of Judah regarding two things. First, the reliance on Judah. Um, Egypt, and secondly, their reliance on false prophets. Coming to our text today, um, 42 chapter 1 verse 3, uh, 42 verse chapter 1 to 43 verse 7, I, I would, uh, I, it's important to know the important characters in this portion, so I have listed out uh, here all the main characters in this portion. We'll get it over um, in, as we go through the narrative. In the immediate context of the chapter 42 and 43, we see that in 40 and 41. I'll, I'll narrate that story quickly so that we'll understand what was happening in 42 and, four, uh, 42 and 43. After the third deportation, we see a start of new order of rule. Uh, Gedaliah was appointed as the first governor of uh, Judah by Nebuchadnezzar. He was not from the royal family of David. Usually, we see that the, the, all the kings were from the uh, royal family of David, but he was not from the royal family of David. But in fact, he was a very good governor. If you see, if you see the portions, it, he was a very go- good governor. He, he in fact, suggested, a, he, in fact, uh, t- told them to have a peaceful relationship with Babylonians as proclaimed by uh, Jer- uh, Jeremiah that you need to submit to Babylon to have a peace... To, to go well with you. He then began to draw, draw them together to settle down in the uh, nearby areas and, uh, and they, he told them to uh, uh, submit, uh, submit to Babylon and ha- um, um, you know, till the land and ha- co- harvest the crops. Uh, here, is the remnant, here we see the remnants of Jews who come from the surrounding countries, Moab, Ammon, Edomites come and settle in this place. So, uh, Gedaliah was uh, uh, settled here in Mizpah. As you can see, Jerusalem is completely destroyed here. So, they all moved to Mizpah as the center, and there, there he, there he rules as, uh, as a governor. After three months of uh, his rule. Ishmael, one of king's uh, uh, officers, had plotted to kill Gerlai in alliance with king of Ammon, Balis. Though, though the reason is not very clear from the scripture, we can safely assume that um, Ishmael was from the royal family of David. He didn't want to submit to somebody who was not from that family, who is not from the kingly lineage. 
Kerala was warned twice by Johanan, the one of the army commander, but he didn't pay attention to that. So finally, uh, Gedlai gets killed along with many Jews with him, and Ishmael takes a lot of captives and tries to escape to Ammon. But when Johanan and all his army officers heard that uh, heard this, they went to fight with Ishmael and caught up at Gibeon, as we can see, little south of little south of Mispa. All captives then escaped to uh, Johanan, but Ishmael escaped to uh, Ammon through this route. Now, the remnant is scared about what has happened because Gedali was a governor appointed by Babylon. And they, he is killed. And they are, they are worried about what is going to happen now. And they set their en route to Egypt and they stopped near Bethlehem. Give you on to Bethlehem, they come and stop near there. This brings us to the passage what we read today. I'll quickly narrate what is happening in 42 and 43 before we uh, divide it into section and apply the truth from it. Now, the Johanna and the army officer and Jew, uh, the remnant Jews approach Jeremiah to understand what God, want, God wants them to do and where they have to settle. They ask Jeremiah to pray for them and ask God's answer regarding this matter. They convince Jeremiah that they will obey whatever it is, whether it's favorable or unfavorable, they will obey whatever God tells, them to, God tells them to do. In fact, Jeremiah agrees to pray for them and uh, they all go back. After 10 days, we see that they, uh, Jeremiah gathers all of them to tell what God, God's answer for them was. Uh, God tells them that to settle in the land of Judah and not to flee to uh, Egypt. God also tells them that if, the, if you stay in the land of Judah, you will be blessed and you will, uh, you, will be, uh, you will prosper in the land of Judah and you should not go to Egypt. That was a clear command from God. There was nothing ambiguous about it. And if you go to Egypt, you will definitely face the consequence of going to Egypt that you will die by sword, famine and plague. After Jeremiah proclaimed uh, the, uh, the, the answer from the Lord, um, we see that people accused him that he was lying. And they decided to proceed with their own decision in disobedience to God's word. So let's look at, at, the, look at the first section of, the, of our passage. For, uh, chapter 42, verse 1 to 6. God wants us to seek him at all times with a sincere heart. Here, I would like to point out two wrong approaches the remnants ha- um, had when they were seeking God. Seeking God only in times of trouble. Let's read chapter, uh, chapter 42, verse 2 and 3. Please hear our petition and pray, pray to the Lord your God for this entire remnant. For as you see, though we were once many, now only, few, only a few are left. Pray that Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. It's interesting to note that they are asking Jeremiah to pray to your God. It's, it's used at least twice in that context. That goes on to show that they didn't have a personal relationship with God. They were so distant from God to engage in a meaningful prayer for themselves. These are the same people who saw the judgment of God in, on Jerusalem 
and what has happened there they still they have in repented their sins and they have in set the relationship right with god now when gedali is killed they are now scared and they are worried about the consequence that what's going to happen after that they are in a super trouble and now they see god very often we take things for granted and we we forget an ongoing relationship with god until god strikes us we hurry to god's throne for answers and deliverance once there was a man who who who, who was successful real soon and became a wealthy oil tycoon once he bec- uh, reached a new strata of his living uh, his church attendance reduced uh, his pastor who want to meet him uh, he couldn't meet him because he was he had a very busy appointments then um, later he became sick and he was in on the hospital hospital uh, and he was almost on a deathbed pastor visits him and tells tells about god's healing power to him and he says uh, and pastor says if if uh, god will definitely heal you if uh, but then he says that says pastor if you pray for me and if god heals me out of this sick bed i will definitely donate 1 million dollars for this church miraculously god healed him he is out of the sick bed he is all fine he is all back to his normal routines uh, after few months uh, pastor meets him in a lo- uh, in a sidewalk out- outside of a local store then pastor asks him hope everything is going well with you and he says you know what you promised uh, 1 million dollars uh, you know to the church uh, that you know if you got well and you were out of the hospital we have in god that still then he says oh really did i say that then he says uh, that goes on to show how sick i was on the deathbed you know many times this is a case with us we limit seeking god only in times of trouble you know this is something god hates when the crisis hits us in the form of sickness loss or any other kinds of issues or exams or these kind of things we run to god for help do we see god only in times of trouble god expects us to have an ongoing relationship with him he loves to have a ongoing and personal relationship with his children we are all familiar with the verse psalms 46 verse 1 what is what does it say god is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble many times we interpret this verse as god in times of trouble of course he is god who is in times of trouble but before that there is something which says god is our refuge and strength it is when god becomes our refuge and strength that is when he becomes our help in trouble the psalmist is not writing this psalm if you look at the context if he is not writing this psalm because he was in trouble and he is looking for god's help he knows the co- confidence he has the confidence and relationship with god that he can say so confidently that even when the mountain falls on me whatever happens if god is my refuge and strength i don't need to worry that is the kind of relationship god expects of us it's not that we just run to god in just in times of trouble moving on secondly we see that seeking god with a fixed agenda when the walls of jerusalem is destroyed they are now surrounded by by the uh, by all the you know neighboring countries like edomites moabs uh, ammonites and babylonians and egyptians 
out of all these countries egypt seems to be a very safe place for them if you read chapter 41 verse 17 it says they stopped near bethlehem on their way to egypt even though jeremiah uh, they told jeremiah that they will obey god whether it will be favorable or unfavorable they had already made up their mind what they're going to do and now they see god with a with a hope that god is going to approve what they're going to do they expected god to put a rubber stamp on the plan they have already made to go to egypt seeking god should not be with a fixed agenda when we seek god do we seek him with our decision already made many times we strongly desire something in our heart and when we and then we seek god what happens is that we pray to god let your will be done in my life but in our hearts what we praying is really that it's lord it, i wish my the answer is what i want if not i'll be disappointed is this the this is the way is this the way we really approach god with the decisions already made a story is told of a young malayali guy who want to marry a girl asha and he was in love with her and you know he want to pursue that relationship to to marriage uh, it was going uh, it was he was strongly involved in that and it was going nowhere so he prayed for few months few days nothing is happening and it happens that uh um, he t- took the malayalam bible and you know he t- uh, he thought god is going to speak to him through the first verse which comes through uh, to that in uh, in the bible so he maybe many of them know <laughs> know the story i already people are laughing so he reads romans chapter 12 verse 12 it says in malayalam it says aashil sandoshipi <laughs> yeah rejoice uh, that literally translated rejoice in hasha and uh, we know the real verse is uh, be joyful in hope you know this may sound ridiculous but you know this may be a story made up but you know this is the case with many of us how many times when we want to see god's will we just look for some positive events or circumstances that connect with what we wanted to get and we presume it as god's will in our life whereas god's will may be far from it or we are maybe in direct disobedience to god's will for example if you want to settle in a certain country or if you want to marry a certain person when we see certain positive events connected with that our hearts deceives us and goes on to say this may be god's will in my life and we presume it as god's will and just proceeds with that the world says to follow your heart that's what we see a tagline everywhere you know follow your heart or follow your intuition but god's word something god's word says something very different in jeremiah chapter 7 17 verse 5 says heart is deceitful above everything and who can understand it god doesn't want us to follow our heart rather he wants us to follow his word a story is told of another lady who wants to have uh, go to a trip uh, you know to a foreign trip and uh, so she read the flyers um flyers of that trip and it says that you know um, you know they are go uh, they are going in a boeing 747 uh, in that particular flight model was given in that flyer and you know she earnestly want to be part of this trip so she prays she prays and she goes to uh, go, goes um, to bed that night praying to um, with a prayer next day morning she gets up 
and she looks at the alarm clock she sees 747 so she immediately recollected what she sees in the flyer boeing 747 so she conf- she thought it may be that god wants me to uh, go for this trip and then it happens that she goes uh, goes to a local store and purchases some groceries and uh, what happens is she looks at the bill and the bill value comes at to $7.47 she confirms that is the will of the god see let me be very clear with you god's will is not confirmed by these kind of isolated positive events it may be that god may be saying but that's not the primary source we should look for god's will in our life that comes from constant communion with him through prayer by reading his word and through god godly counsel i personally know few of my uh, friend uh, uh, friend as believers they led by this kind of you know uh, seeing some positive events they've taken wrong decision and and you know ended up being in a bad way you know if the remnant of jews what we see here has to look for only positive events egypt was the best place best place to settle it was really for them to uh, logically to go to egypt when we see god god does not want to have our decisions already made and see god in that way let's not treat god like a vending machine when we go to vending machine we press certain option and when we get we it's not like we expect if we press for coffee we don't expect tea to come out of it right that's not the way we should treat god when we see god god expect us to have a sincere heart and when we seek him he expect us to have a heart which is obedient to his word let's move on coming to the second section of our passage God, uh, Jeremiah 42 verse 7 to 18 God answers us when we seek him Now after the 10 days the lord of the word of the lord comes to Jeremiah so Jeremiah calls all the people from greatest to the least and he gathers them all together and speak God's word uh, for them I'll read that verse uh, for you 42 chapter uh, 42 verse 10 to 12 It says if you stay in this land I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you. For I have relented concerning the disaster I have inflicted on you. Do not be afraid of Babylon, whom you fear. Do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord. For I am with you and I will save you and deliver you from his hand. I will show you compassion so that he will have compassion on you and restore you to the land. So God's command was very clear to stay on earth. in the land of judah and he says if you stay in this land god will prosper you it's very interesting to note that god says he has relented the disaster he has inflicted on on jerusalem that goes on to say that he was compassionate he is now willing to show compassion on the people of judah now who's remnant there now and he uh, he also reminds them that you don't need to be afraid of Babylon, uh, babylonian king who is you know you are afraid right now you don't need to be so he gives them a clear promise to stay in the land and god says that if you stay in this land they will they um they they will uh, he will renew and restore them and uh, have a peaceful time in the land of judah now at the same time he also says in the following verses that if you disobey his word and do and go to egypt believing that there won't be any uh, 
cry for war or any hunger uh, they, there you don't need to be hungry for bread like how god punished jerusalem god is going to punish egypt for by sword famine and plague and not one of them not a single of them who is going to go to egypt will be saved and he says that he will he will have curse and contamination on those people here i would want to point out two characteristics of god's answer first his answers are clear through jeremiah it was clear that what god expected the remnant to do and the consequences if they disobeyed god there was no ambiguity in that it was very clear in the earlier chapters of jeremiah we see that god has told them not to go to egypt or trust on uh, trust in egyptian egypt egypt is a place of slavery and bondage it is with much might and power god has delivered the israelites out of egypt through the through um, through the leader moses and you they they have come they were in promised land we see if you read through the scriptures we read that uh, we read the phrase out of egypt at least appears 130 times in the in the entire scripture that shows that how god has given the emphasis on the deliverance of his people he has clearly given that uh, promise to them that if they stay in this land they will be blessed also we see uh, in deuteronomy 17:16 when god gives commandment to the kings uh, regarding uh, regarding egypt he makes this statement i'll read that verse in deuteronomy 17 verse 6 the king moreover must not acquire great number of horses for himself or make the people return to egypt to get more of them for the lord has told you you are not to go back that way again though the egyptians were mighty it, it was one of the superpowers during that time they were pagans they were mere humans god does not want his people to trust on them and rely on egypt jeremiah chapter 17 verse say cursed is the man who trust in uh, cursed is the one who trust in man who draws strength from mere flesh but two verses later it says blessed is the one who trust in the lord whose confidence is in him for us egypt symbolizes the world and its desires where is really our trust and confidence do we really rely on world to take care of our needs and go to god as a second plan or plan b what we say or do we have full faith and confidence in god's provision for us let's really think about it so god's answers are clear to us now how do we find god's answer for us today in 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 when we go through certain uh, decision making process or when we have to make god's will in our life first god's will is given to us through his word his revealed will is given to us through his word that is our primary source where we have to look for god's will in our life many times we see god's uh, will as something like a some mystery hunt or treasure hunt we have to hunt for it or something of that sort but it's not really that if you really see if you really read god's word many of the things will be clear for us sometimes we wrongly apply god's word and you know come to a wrong interpretation but if you really apply god's word in our life we will really find what's god's will in our life for example bible tells us in second corinthians 6:14 do not yoke with unbelievers 
you know if you uh, if you if you fall in love with a unbeliever person and you know you pursue that relationship for marriage and you see god's will in that in in regarding that it's really pointless absolutely pointless to do that because god's word has clearly tell not to do that then what is the point in pursuing that you should be very careful what what we pray for if god's word has already told certain things not to do then why are we praying for that this comes to the second level where we uh, we don't have the clear answer for yes or no uh, in certain things you know where for example where we have to take the job or things like that i would say that if you have already obeyed god's reveal will in through his word what we already know and if you f- have a constant communion with him through prayer god the holy spirit will lead us and guide us to the right step we don't need to worry about that it's not that difficult sometimes god take us takes us to the godly counsel it may be through a friend or it may be through some other through a elder or some godly man but our primary source is given in god's word itself this uh, this this brings us to another question you know in a world where we have so much of information overload you know we tend to take god uh, counsel so much from outside you now we, we get all the information at the tip of your hands you know i really want to warn us you know if you take uh, you know counsel from you know world world if you take such kind of counsel we should ensure that it is in line with the god's word and also i would want to point out a very dangerous trend we see that you know where we see a flurry of prosperity gospel preachers and a lot of false prophets out there they are very cunning they are very cunning to even lead astray the best of believers they are they may be very subtle in, in their truths and they may lead us astray jeremiah chapter 23 talks about false prophet god clearly warns such kind of false prophet in chapter 23 verse 28 and 29 it reads that but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully for what has straw to do with grain declares the lord is it not my word like fire declares the lord and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces word of false prophet is like a straw it's useless and it's such a waste and god contrasts it with saying is uh in a word of god as grain which has some substance in that and he also says his word is like a fire and a hammer which is penetrating it is powerful and purifying it doesn't lull people to lull people in their sins it rather crushes their heart to repentance it will not amuse us or you know entertains the people but it will bring the purpose what god has to tell so um sometime back jorchan has already spoken in detail about finding god's will in your life so i i'm not going to give you uh, much details on that so i'm moving on not only his answers are clear he um his answers may contrary may seem contrary to common belief in the lives of remnant Jew, uh, jews in um, in judah egypt was never invaded by a foreign power you know that was something that they were very clear about also there was never a famine in egypt during their recent memory of course there was a famine very long time back which was recorded in the bible but there was never a famine um 
according to their recent memory so when jeremiah said that if you go to egypt you will die of sword famine and plague it is something which was very contrary that uh, you know contrary to their belief which was not according to their personal uh, understanding of what uh, the surrounding what they have you know they say um, i read that verse 14 for you to understand their personal conviction on egypt we we shall not see war or hear the trumpet nor be hungry for bread according to them egypt was a place of safety security peace and abundance they had lot of food their their st- economy was very stable and it was quite far from babylon so going to egypt was a logical decision for them it was a it was a normal thing to do in light in the light of all these things what jeremiah uh, you know said that you know it, it's going to have a famine sword and plague this kind of things didn't make any sense to them it was totally ridiculous to them many times in christian life uh, god answers to us which seems you know improbable for us to uh, to accept or something which which is you know least probable thing to happen this is this is the place where our real test is faith uh, real faith is tested now we know all uh, we know about the story of abraham you know we very well know about how god asked him to sacrifice his son isaac you know if you see that thing you know abraham was given a promise that here a great nation will come through him so and isaac was given to him through a supernatural way we all know that and when god asked him to sacrifice isaac it was something totally you know uh, total totally contradicting to what 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 god has already told him but we know that abraham abraham has put faith in god and he has he has been faithful to what god said and he has done what god asked him to do you know for the remnant jews the risky choice of staying in judah was perfectly safe according to god but the easy way out to egypt was deadly to make the right decision they just had to put their trust in god and make uh, make the decision what god has told them this is this is a very common situation for us many times you know god's answers to us sometimes is contrary to the common belief what we have but many times what's god's what's god's real requirement for us may be a sore pillow for us to swallow but it, it is in these places we have to show our faith and really trust in god for our thing coming to the final section uh, jeremiah chapter 42 verse 19 to 43 verse 7 god expect us to act in obedience both God and Jeremiah knew that people had already set their minds to uh, go to Egypt. So when Jeremiah tells them that they have done a mistake in asking them for seeking God's help. God's command was very clear, do not go to Egypt. Here we see people have already decided to go to Egypt and now they are saying that Baruch his scribe is lie um, you know telling him to say this lie to him. you know so that they will stay in jerusalem and you know babylonians might attack them these are the same people who has seen god's judgment on uh, jerusalem and 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 the same words of jeremiah coming true to them yet they cannot have a 
heart of belief this is a common trend we see in our uh, our uh, ourselves like you know when we kind uh, come to a decision making process and we find the you know something which is uh, god gives an answer which is contrary to us we find it like find excuses these people were when they were saying that they were lying it was in fact they were trying to find excuse it was in fact that they were not trying stating a fact um we read uh, in 43 verse 4 So Johanan son of Karaya and all the army officers and all the people disobeyed the Lord's command to stay in the land of Judah and further in verse 7 says so they entered Egypt in disobedience to the Lord and went as far as Tephanis Here we see how the Jews have fled from Judah and came down here till and entered Egypt one very interesting thing i showed uh, i what i want to show this in this map is that in the earlier map i showed that the jews who were going in exile in the northeast direction here we see people going in southwest direction can you imagine that so two groups of people going in two directions okay so it is interesting to note that god's word repeatedly says they disobeyed god and they entered egypt in disobedience at least twice in this context we see that shows on to uh, that goes on to show that the consequence of willful disobedience about 900 years ago god has let um, the israelites out of egypt by Mo- by moses into the promised land now the now the remnant people who are very few who lost their uh, country uh, their land by their their own wickedness now entered the egypt in disobedience they are clearly going in the wrong direction all this time them or the remnants wanted to do was doing their own will in the hope that god's will will coincide with their own will this is a real hypocrisy we often hear hypocrisy as you know apparently right actions with wrong motive here we see another kind of hypocrisy seeking god when you have no intention to follow it we as believers must be very careful when we seek god if you don't have a heart of obedience it is a grave sin i would rather say no to seek god's will when lord answers to us he he ex-